Curious, competitive, compassionate. Salespeople are drawn to their careers in much the same way musicians are drawn to music. Once you've learned the language of sales, the beauty is in your ability to personally interpret what you've learned to suit your personality, your interest, and your skill. My name is Roger Burnett, and this is the So You're in Sales podcast, where we consider ways to grow as people as we advance in our careers and learn firsthand from those ahead of us on the path to accelerate our journey. I'm lucky to get to talk every two weeks with entrepreneurs, business owners, thought leaders, authors, and people of all walks of life, each with a unique story to share and a look at their lessons along the way. Prepare to be educated, informed, entertained, and inspired. This is the So You're in Sales podcast. The So You're in Sales podcast is sponsored by Social Good Promotions. Social Good Promotions was founded on the premise that any business can stand out from their competition when they are doing things they really believe in. True success these days is measured by the ways your employees feel about working for you and the ways your business is making the community a better place. Ultimately, it's about the ways you and your business will be remembered. If you're looking to grow your sales revenue while activating social good at the same time, we'll be your favorite marketing partner ever. Book a meeting with us at socialgoodpromotions.com, follow us on Instagram at sogoodpromo, and let's get connected. We've done great work using our unique and effective strategy. Let us show you how. Now, on with the show. For those of you that have listened to the show for a while, you'll remember episode 81, which was back in August. In that episode, I welcomed in three supplier salespeople from the promotional products industry who were all over the age of 50 and were faced with having to reimagine their careers at that stage of their game as a result of what happened because of COVID. I've really tried to focus on survival and advancement strategies for us during this period of COVID. It's a really difficult time to try to sharpen your game and become the most successful version of yourself possible, but the uncomfortability of what's going on, I think, in many ways is transforming a lot of us into a better version of ourselves, regardless of whether we're making the same amount of income we made in the past. Some people are doing better, some people aren't doing so well. But nonetheless, each of us are reconsidering our lot in life, what it means to be a salesperson today, and the ways that we may want to change things going forward. So knowing that, I brought Brian Truskowski in from Illuminate. He's a life coach. He's got a lot of interesting background and stories to tell. I think there's a lot of value to be found in this episode. I found it to be really worthwhile, and I hope you will too. Give it a listen. I have real life experience in the sense where I am at the time of this recording, 38 years old. Uh, I've lived in six states. Uh, I'm in the process somewhere between my third and fourth career and uh, transitions are just sort of my life. You know, went to school for massage therapy and became, I've been a practitioner for the last 10 years of, of massage and body work. And that sort of opened me up into, you know, new age and spirituality without getting into boring bits of it. Uh, one of my main teachers became Alan Watts where he taught me the philosophy of life, of spirituality, of living. And then concurrent to that, I've studied philosophy, psychology, sociology, um, new age movement, different religions, Native American studies, Western philosophies and, and, and religious practices. And, and, and on top of having all the diverse background that I have through the experiences I've had, really that's what I'm bringing to the table. 
is as one of the teachers I heard say dirt on the street experience, right? You know, I I've literally probably been to a lot of places that people have in so many realms, not specifically, but you know, in theory, right? So I can kind of understand and have empathy for people where they're at, um, from deep shadow work and inner child work all the way to standing at the crossroads of life going, what the heck am I going to do next? And what is currently happening isn't working, but where do I go from here? So I've lived that I've been at that crossroads more than once. Um, I've felt it and it's not fun. We don't yet know the sum total of the result economically from COVID. We really, we don't yet know. There's talk of recovery. There's still a bunch of people without a job. This was not a selective problem. It was a pervasive problem. It's affected different ages, different demographics, different stages of life. It's, it's really had its hand almost everywhere. So when we look at this capital reset in that context, it's really probably why, you know, I thought it would be really smart to have you on because maybe more so than any other time in any of our professional careers, we're seeing widespread something short of panic, but not comfort you know, that continuum of disruption is pretty significant across the board. And so, you know, we got people looking for jobs. We got people thinking about, should they evolve their careers? Do they like what they do? You know, what are some of the things that you're seeing in in the clients that you're dealing with? You know, what challenges are you seeing them face right now? The people who I like to typically focus on and support are those people going, oh my God, this just highlighted how much I don't like my job. And or those people who have been fired. And for me, from a spiritual perspective, I think that if you're getting fired from a position, it's not an overnight sort of thing. I mean, yeah, COVID um, is definitely accelerated things, but it's, it's for me, it's, it's the humorous and proverbial slap from the universe going, OK, you got to be done and you weren't listening. So here it is. At a certain point, you can't ignore it, right? The smell is too great. The pain is too great. The discomfort is too great. And I can speak personally to that in the sense where um, 10 plus years ago, I was working as a plumber in San Francisco. And on paper, I had the perfect job. I was engaged to this woman living in San Francisco, had a company. They loved me. I was proficient at what I did. They were paying me healthily for it. On paper, I had the perfect life. But I was growing more and more depressed underneath that. And the excuse I was telling people was that I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. And after a few years of that, the veil got really thin to the point where people were sick of hearing me say that. Sure. So it led me to sort of this crisis point where I was like, look, you know, I I literally had to wake up. My mantra every morning was, look, dude you live in one of the most amazing parts of the entire world. <laughs> most people would give the left arm or both anything to be where you are. So what the heck is your problem? And I started questioning my own sanity as I went deeper and deeper into depression as my romantic relationship was starting to fail. And I was questioning that. And so all the pillars were just boom, 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 right. right. Happening all concurrently. And, you know, eventually after sitting in that pain for a number of years, you know, threw in the towel and said, okay, I, I got to get out of here. You know, I started awakening up spiritually and, and having experiences. And so that's when I finally, okay, I got to get into massage therapy. Got to get out of this field because I've been pushed, you know, from so many different angles to, to get out. So 
I share that story just because I just want the listeners to know that you're not alone if you're having this experience. And my invitation is to drop <clears throat> to drop the ego, you know, drop this attachment to the identity of whatever you're operating under currently, and know that it's not only okay but it's healthy to change roles and perspectives and identities in your life. You know, it's a new paradigm, an old paradigm like my father is. You get a job at 40, you work there for 40 years, you retire, you get a pension, and you then you can live your life. Sure. Well, that doesn't exist anymore. If you're personality typing salespeople, while you certainly can be an analytical or a driver or an amiable and be successful in sales, most of us are expressives. And whether you know what I mean when I say you're an expressive or not is how do you behave when you lose a deal? That will tell you everything you need to know. If it hits <laughs> you in a way that you can't just move on and keep making your calls, it's a very good chance you're an expressive. And what we find disproportionately is that when we test salespeople, their personality type disproportionately ends up being an expressive. So inherently, we're emotional. We talk with our hands. We wear our hearts on our sleeves. Times like these, for those of us who are highly emotional, creates an additional level of stress that we are not accustomed to being able to deal with for a very specific reason. Expressives are very frequently people-powered, and we've had that taken away from us. So as we start thinking about this reason for why for people who may not only have had a disruption in their careers but they've also had a disruption in the ways that they cope with a disruption in their careers. My friend, I open the door to you to walk through that one. How, and, and how we navigate that, right? Right. Get square on what it is you want, 100% down to the bones. What is it you want? And from that, you can move forward in any capacity. Write down your deepest needs, desires, whatever it is, and don't play small, right? Because if you play small, it's going to creep back up and it's going to bite you in the butt later on. Well, what do I do about the kids? What about the, their, their college fund or retirement or all these heavy hitting things? And I can't afford to because X, Y, and Z. You know, if you're at that position and you have a job still and you're not happy, what do you do? Yeah. Right. So, so here's, here's where we really get to it. So you either, you are out of a job and you got to decide what you're willing to take. You either have a job that you hate and you don't know if it's the right time to stop doing that, or you've reached a point where you recognize that that what you're doing isn't fulfilling you in a way that's going to get you to the pinnacle of what it is you're trying to accomplish. Different paths, same problem. Right. But you have different resources in each of those options. Yeah. Right. So I'll, I'll just start with this. <clears throat> um, if you are resourced, meaning you have gainful employment, you have an option and I'm going to provide a new option for people because actually I'm working with a client right now on the same idea. Most people think that when they switch careers, again, this old paradigm, when they switch careers, it's close one door, open another door. New way of thinking about this is what if you were to make it a gradient? And I'll give you an example. When I was transitioning into massage therapy, I was in school for a year. And I was fortunate enough to have, you know, not a lot of expenditures. So I was working at a grocery store part-time, the health food store, while going to school concurrently. And then once I graduated school, I decided to go into private practice. 
fortunately, again, I, I was blessed where I was given a very, very um, easy opportunity to get an office, to share an office with someone. And so with that, I worked part-time, you know, three, four days a week, made enough money to pay, you know, living expenses. And then I spent my quote off time seeing massage clients, doing, getting, doing the groundwork, making connections, going to networking groups, doing events, doing the groundwork to start building that practice. Right. And so I'm working two jobs concurrently, probably working more than I really want to be, but I have a goal in mind. And as long as you keep that sort of focus of why am I doing this? And that's sort of what I do as an accountability coach is I remind people of the why, why are you doing this? Right. And so if you have that job at a certain point, you can start tipping and saying, okay, I'm going to dial back job a and start to ramp up job B. And at a certain point you just have to cut the cord. Well, and Brian, I just want to interject. It could be something as simple as I'm delivering for freaking Grubhub because that's what I need to make money right now. Like whatever you need to do to get you to where you're trying to go, do that and do not worry about it or feel bad about having to make that choice. Dude, dude, check this, Roger. You know, I was floored when I heard this. <clears throat> One client I was working with, I lived in Colorado for a few years. One of my clients out there, she was very unhappy and she reached the point in her career where you either get fired or you quit. Mm-hmm. Right. She picked up a part-time drive uh, job with Uber. Now she decided her hours. She decided the when, the how, and the why's. The thing that floors me, Roger, is that her working twenty-ish, maybe thirty-ish hours of her own time, she was making, if not the same, but more than she was with her city job, where she was not only working forty, but probably closer to sixty or eighty hours a week constantly being harassed by her employers that for under underperformance, this, that, and the other. And when she told me this, I think both of her has exploded because she's like, this is so stupid. Right. I'm driving for Uber and I'm making just as much as I had a city job. When you're in these in between places, don't be afraid to get, you know, like you said, Grubhub, Uber, Lyft, whatever, you know, flipping burgers and McDonald's, make some sort of money because scarcity will not beget abundance. If you are living in scarcity mindset, I don't have a job, no money's coming in, I'm freaking out. That's when money is not going to come in. But in that, it's I'm used to and I know how to do the gradient. And I'm doing that gradient now. I'm starting to ramp up, getting more clients, more business, teaching more workshops. For all of us, it should be an, not an or, it should be an and. Yep. You know, Both and, not either or. And even in times of abundance, an and strategy is always superior. Because what I see is further evidence of what has been predicted for a generation of being the, there will be a future where you will no longer be an employee. You will be Roger Burnett LLC that has to go out and create engagements with other people who are willing to pay you for said engagement. And as a 50 year old, who's had the opportunity to witness commerce pre and post internet, I've never seen an acceleration of the pace of that change as I have in the last six months. If we're going to be in that moment as a group, as opposed to it being limited to smaller fragments of our demographic, which has traditionally been the case, right? So, but if this is universal in its effect, then 
we all better be thinking about what that means for us in the context of I'm 50. I, I have a finite amount of time. A 20 year old has an infinitely longer runway to consider what this means for them and what we as those ahead of them in life need to be instilling in them in skills and understanding, I think has a much to do with what you said is sometimes you're going to be resourced and you need to know what you want to be doing when you get them, not be, you should not already know when the, that day comes, what it was you'll do with what you get, because you should have been building up to that anyway, along the way, because the cycle will ultimately arrive at a place where you hope that you get a cash out of some sort that lets you move to the next phase of what you're trying to accomplish. Right. right. And so this is where this comes back to your Japanese term and why it's so important to be in touch with what the central premise is of what makes you tick. Right. So, right. and this is why this work and why you're seeing, I think such an explosion of people seeking this piece of like, what's a trigger for me? What makes me get off my game in a way that stops me from being successful in that pursuit, right? Like talk about some of the, those traps that you see given what people are dealing with. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll just, I'll use Ikigai as a, as a framework for that. <clears throat> and so what's great is, so if you were looking, if you were thinking of a clock to the 12 o'clock position, you have a circle that says what you love to the three o'clock position that says what the world needs to the six, it's what you can be paid for. And to the nine, it says what you're good at. So these are the four sort of cardinal directions because you know we can have maybe two or three of these, but if we only have three of the four, we're still sort of incomplete. In the Venn diagram that which this is, where all four of those meet in the middle is ikigai or purpose. That's ultimately what we're shooting for. And I will say this, even though I am younger probably than the crowd that's listening to this, that target moves over time. Yeah. Most people think that once I've found my target, my mission, my purpose, then game over and I can just rest on my laurels and eh, that's the right <laughs> Because that's always moving, right? That's always moving. It's always shifting depending on what's going on in my life. Wedding, divorce, children, injury, whatever, right? There's so many variables in life. So going back to this chart, what's great is if you take between the first and, and one at one at 12 and one at three, what you love and what you need, this is great. You know, this is what could be your mission, right? It's your mission in the world. That's fantastic. So if the world needs it and you can be paid for it, that could be a vocation. If you're good at it and you can get paid for it, that could be a profession. If you're good at it and you love it, that could be a passion, Again, these are two of them lining up, but not necessarily quite fully there, right? And so we're going to go one, one layer deeper on this. We could have three of them. So if, if you love it, you, the world needs it, and you can be paid for it, well, that's fantastic. You know, it, you could be excited, but it would develop complacency and a sense of uncertainty, right? Because you're not really good at it, and you're going to be uncertain in what you're doing. If the world needs it, you can get paid for it and you're good at it. Well, that's fantastic. This feels really comfortable, but you don't love it. And it may make you feel or leave you feeling empty and unsatisfied. That's, that's something I do for money. That's not something I do for passion. And you know what? I just got to say, I have met so many people 
and, and I'm just going to call it out, and this is a judgment, but it's also an observation, is there are a lot of people that are involved in the university system who get tenure, and I have heard this say, oh, well, I just have 10 more years until I retire, so I'm just going to wait it out, and then I'm like, fantastic, so you're ruining your mental health, your physical health, and your relationships, just so you can get paid this fancy little coin and carrot at the end of your tenure. And, wow. Okay. And not actually deliver much in the way of uh, uh, transference of passion to the people who are supposed to be learning from you, right? I'm sure we could all point at least one person in our life that fits that demographic, right? Yeah. No, that, that's a pretty common one, actually, I think. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Yeah. And then the next one is, is a little better. It's it, you love it, you're good at it, and the world can, uh, you can get, you can get paid for it. Well, that's, that's great and it's satisfying, but you feel useless because the world doesn't need it, right? Like uh, we could judge a lot of art to maybe fit in that position, but if I'm a professional bobbler, by the way, I was reminded of this. I, when I, I was at a music live music event and I was dancing and I remember being a child and I wanted to be a professional bobbler, almost like a joker, right? Like where I'd almost bob and drop something, but not catch it at the last minute, right? Like a performing artist. I'm like, this is great. I could probably get paid for it. I'm good at it. I love doing it, but does the world need it? Mm, probably not. And, and so, you know, it, these are the different angles, but where all four of those circles come together in the middle is, is the purpose is the ikigai, yeah. Right. And, and so <clears throat> uh, if you don't share this, Roger, I would encourage people to look it up. So the spelling is I K I G A I. Um, and they're like, there's many different, images you can do a quick you know image search on google or whatever and and find this pretty fast write it out you know the first thing that i do when i'm working with clients before i start working with them is sit down for a two-hour discovery session strategy session what that means is we're sitting down with pen and a large sheet of paper and you're opening your skull onto this paper because a lot of times we have ideas and they roll around out there but till we get them onto paper it doesn't always gel sure right and sometimes seeing it in in black and white or whatever pen you're using, uh, helps. And, and so this is where I'm going with the Iki guy is, you know, really write all these things out and see where that comes together and be it with me or a colleague or a friend or family, loved one, whatever, you know, if you're wanting support in this, you know, really help see that because one thing I've learned is both with myself and I see other people saying this too, is I know I'm really good at something, but I can't see it. Yeah. But my world can see it, yeah. you know, colleagues, mentors, whatever. Right. How many people sit down and actually dedicate time to answering four questions on a repeated and consistent and ongoing basis to develop a heightened understanding of where each of us lie in the answers to each of these four questions? It's almost as if, if I approach an exercise once versus I practice an exercise daily. What's the likelihood of me being more skilled with the repetition? I don't mm -hmm. think we need to, like, you know, this, is, this answer is apparent. However, I think what, what, what happens a lot of times is people will be like, they hear things like vision and mission, and immediately it's like, oh, yeah, yeah I've tried that. <laughs> I don't know anything about what that means, and so I'm not bothering. Uh -huh. so, so help me help me help the people understand what are really the four questions that you're supposed to ask yourself to start with, Brian? What are the four questions? What's something I'm good at? What does the, and what does the world need? What do I love doing, and what can I get paid for? Mm -hmm. Right? Those are the core of them. And it can be dumb. I'm mm -hmm. absolutely. 
I'm good at making the bed. I'm good at uh, making sure that things are in the places they're supposed to be. I'm good at making sure that my wife is on time for our commitments. I'm good at, it, it literally can be that granular, which is, mm-hmm. what do you think you're good at? Because most of the time, what I feel like people end up doing is daydreaming. Like, what is the big thing? I'm mm-hmm. It's like, no, 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 no. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> what are the things you're good at? I'm good at biting the cap off beers. Who cares? Whatever it is. And then the other piece of it is what the world needs. Time out on what the world needs. Sure. Let that one be last. Right. What do I love doing? Right. Because what you're good at, what you might be able to get paid for and what you love, then you see where based on those things, where might that ultimately connect with something the world needs. Right. But if you haven't spent the time knowing those other three things, there could be something that the world desperately needs waiting for you right now. And you haven't done the work to figure it out. And the opportunity is going to pass you by because you haven't invested any time in the exercise. Right. You mentioned some, some buddies that sort of later in life sort of got booted and they're sort of figuring things out, you know, booted from the, the tr- their traditional jobs and figuring things out. I'm oh, yeah. going to say this. I, I know some people, friends and colleagues that are well past, you know, either in their seventies or past their seventies and they're still working every day. Why? Because their work isn't work. Their work is fun. They enjoy their work. Right. And so for them, they're probably going to do this till the day they croak because it's not quote work, right? The four letter word. Like for our business, what we believe is that we originally knew that we were doing what we loved and we knew that we were good at it was a new business. So we were still trying to figure out whether we could get paid for it at scale and, or whether or not the world needed it. What's happened with the pandemic is now the world absolutely is desperate for the, our, our approach. So the opportunity for us to get paid for what we do has increased as a result of us already having been in the position to be doing what we love and what we're good at circumstances have now turned in a way that have changed the equation in our favor to some degree. And so by being aware of the equation in the first place, we could intuitively start to see those changes happening and be able to capitalize on them more quickly than had we not been paying attention to the fact that that was going on. So for people who are in that moment, and to your point, you know, you're bringing them up. I, there's many folks that are pondering their futures, I think, even those that do have employment at this point, to your point originally. And so for those folks, you know, as we wrap this up, if we've, if we've given you the, the little needle you need to get up off the couch and get to the keyboard, <laughs> what would be some of the first things that you would want people doing to get them um, off to the best start that they might need to do this well. Like when you're driving, you're not looking at your bumper, you're not looking at the hood of your car, you're looking 10, 15, you know, quarter mile down the road, right? So a lot of times we can see things coming, you know, predictive, you know, uh, you know metrics or whatever, just seeing the dis- our dissatisfaction growing, whatever, right? Um, but ultimately, what I would say is taking that, but sitting down, really, my encouragement is to sit down, as Roger and I suggested, and really look it down, write down these things, these four points, 
but also, you know, write down those, the people in that sort of transition. If you don't have anything coming up, what's something you're good at, you love doing and just start doing that. You know, it's, it's the kind of quote Alan Watts is I never worked a day in my life because I always did what I loved. Right. And, and so in that, like, what are those things that have been sitting on the shelf that I quote, haven't had time for, or, Oh, I'll do that later. I'll do it when, right. That, that, that inevitable question, I'll do it when, right. So start doing that now, <laughs> right. You have the time, you have the availability. So start doing that and <clears throat> start, if you don't know what it is, write it all out and, you know, start practicing it and be okay with something failing, you know, because each thing we take, it helps us move forward. So that's one tangible thing you can do is actually sit down and start writing out what are your goals and what are your desires. Don't be too hard on yourself. Make it small, make it realistic, make it achievable. Give yourself the win here, right? That's the whole purpose of this is to start building confidence in what you're doing, right? So even if you can only muster getting one of those four down a day, cool, fantastic. Say by the end of the week, I'll get this whole thing done, but each day I'll do one, right? And once you get that down, look at that. And this is the other big sort of support that I offer for people is once you have that, again, make one small step every single day in getting one step closer to that goal, right? Is it, is it doing homework? Is it having a coffee with a friend that knows something about that industry? Is it filing an LLC? Is it talking to a web designer? committing to reading articles about a specific marketplace because you want to know more about what it's all about. Right. Or even I'll even say this, it's okay to go play a round of golf. It's okay to play a game of tennis. In fact, I encourage that because if you are sitting and I've been there in that mindset of scarcity and what the heck am I going to do? The last place you're going to find the answers is in the recesses of those minds of feeling I am not worthy. So get out of your own skull, go play around a golf, go play some tennis, go for a walk, a swim, whatever. I don't give a shit. Go for something, get out of your head and let the answer come to you. You know, another thing I offer in my programs is like, I go out into nature with people because there's more answers out in nature than there are you sitting in your own house, staring at a computer screen. And with that, Brian, I say thank you very much for the time. And yeah. I'm sure we will have you back again sometime. Well, thank you so much, Roger. It's definitely been a pleasure. And thank you for having me. This has been so much fun. So there you have it. You know, being in the podcaster's chair can sometimes be a lonely endeavor. As I listen back to these episodes after I've recorded them and share my thoughts with each of you about what it is that we just finished listening to, I'm often energized by the information that I've been able to unearth with my guests. And I hope you feel the same way as well. We're hoping with the series that we are collectively getting better as salespeople and it is imperative for us to be thinking about the mental aspect of the game of sales, especially in COVID. So I will continue to bring guests that have us consider things from the mental acuity perspective as they are uh, apparent to me. If you have any other topics that you'd be interested in hearing more or me finding guests on your behalf specific to any particular sales-related topic, please feel free to share that information with me. We're always looking for new subscribers to the show, so please share the podcast around with your friends. Tell them why you think it's of value, and perhaps they might join us as well. I look forward to talking to you all next time. Stay safe. Stay warm. Wash your hands.